Chapter Four of A Century of Negro Migration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in September 2019. A Century of Negro Migration by Carter Woodson. Chapter Four colonization as a remedy for migration because of these untoward circumstances consequent to the immigration of free negroes and fugitives into the north their enemies and in some cases their well-intentioned friends advocated the diversion of these elements to foreign soil Benazette and brannigan had the idea of settling the negroes on the public lands in the west largely to relieve the situation in the north certain anti-slavery men of kentucky as we have observed recommended the same but this was hardly advocated at all by the far-seeing white men after the close of the first quarter of the nineteenth century it was by that time very clear that white men would want to occupy all lands within the present limits of the united states few statesmen dared to encourage migration to canada because the large number of fugitives who had already escaped there had attached to that region the stigma of being an asylum for fugitives from the slave states the most influential people who gave thought to this question finally decided that the colonization of the negro in africa was the only solution of the problem the plan of african colonization appealed more generally to the people of both north and south than the other efforts which at best could do no more than to offer local or temporary relief the african colonization proceeded on the basis that the negroes had no chance for racial development in this country they could secure no kind of honorable employment could not associate with congenial white friends whose minds and pursuits might operate as a stimulus upon their industry and could not rise to the level of successful professional or business men found around them in short they must ever be hewers of wood and drawers of water to emphasize further the necessity of immigration to africa the advocates of deportation to foreign soil generally referred to the condition of migrating negroes as a case in evidence so long said one as you must sit stand walk ride dwell eat and sleep here and the negro there he cannot be free in any part of the country this idea working through the minds of northern men who had for years thought merely of the injustice of slavery began to change their attitude toward the abolitionists who had never undertaken to solve the problems of the blacks who were seeking refuge in the north many thinkers controlling public opinion then gave audience to the colonizationists and circles once closed to them were thereafter opened there was therefore a tendency toward a more systematic effort than had hitherto characterized the endeavors of the colonizationists the objects of their philanthropy were not to be stolen away and hurried off to an uncongenial land for the oppressed they were in accordance with the exigencies of their new situation to be prepared by instruction in mechanical arts agriculture science and biblical literature that some might lead in the higher pursuits and others might skilfully serve their fellows 
private enterprise was at first depended on to carry out the schemes but it soon became evident that a better method was necessary finally out of the proposals of various thinkers and out of the actual colonization feats of paul cuffet a negro came a national meeting for this purpose held in washington december eighteen sixteen and the organization of the american colonization society this meeting was attended by some of the most prominent men in the united states among whom were henry clay francis s key bishop william meade john randolph and judge bushrod washington the american colonization society however failed to facilitate the movement of the free negro from the south and did not promote the general welfare of the race the reasons for these failures are many in the first place the society was all things to all men to the anti-slavery man whose ardor had been dampened by the meagre results obtained by his agitation the scheme was the next best thing to remove the objections of slaveholders who had said they would emancipate their bondsmen if they could be assured of their being deported to foreign soil to the radical pro-slavery man and to the northerner hating the negro it was well adapted to rid the country of the free persons of color whom they regarded as the pariahs of society furthermore although the colonization society became seemingly popular and the various states organized branches of it and raised money to promote the movement the slaveholders as a majority never reached the position of parting with their slaves and the country would not take such radical action as to compel free negroes to undergo expatriation when militant abolitionists were fearlessly denouncing the scheme the free people of color themselves were not only not anxious to go but bore it grievously that any one should even suggest that they should be driven from the country in which they were born and for the independence of which their fathers had died they held indignation meetings throughout the north to denounce the scheme as a selfish policy inimical to the interests of the people of color branded thus as the inveterate foe of the blacks both slave and free the american colonization society effected the deportation of only such negroes as southern masters felt disposed to emancipate from time to time and a few others induced to go as the industrial revolution early changed the aspect of the economic situation in the south so as to make slavery seemingly profitable few masters ever thought of liberating their slaves scarcely any intelligent negroes except those who for economic or religious reasons were interested availed themselves of this opportunity to go to the land of their ancestors from the reports of the colonization society we learn that from eighteen twenty to eighteen thirty three only two thousand eight hundred and eighty five negroes were sent to africa by the society furthermore more than twenty seven hundred of this number were taken from the slave states and about two-thirds of these were slaves manumitted on the condition that they would emigrate later statistics show the same tendency by eighteen fifty two seven thousand eight hundred thirty six had been deported from the united states to liberia two thousand seven hundred and twenty of these were born free two hundred and four purchased their freedom three thousand eight hundred and sixty eight were emancipated in view of their going to liberia and one thousand forty four were liberated africans returned by the united states government 
considering the fact that there were four hundred and thirty four thousand four hundred and ninety five free persons of color in this country in eighteen fifty and four hundred and eighty eight thousand seventy in eighteen sixty the colonizationists saw that the very element of the population which the movement was intended to send out of the country had increased rather than decreased it is clear then that the american colonization society though regarded as a factor to play an important part in promoting the exodus of the free negroes to foreign soil was an inglorious failure colonization in other quarters however was not abandoned a colony of negroes in texas was contemplated in eighteen thirty three prior to the time when the republic became independent of mexico as slavery was not at first assured in that state the new york commercial advertiser had no objection to the enterprise but felt that there were natural obstacles such as a more expensive conveyance than that to monrovia the high price of land in the country the catholic religion to which negroes were not accustomed to conform and their lack of knowledge of the spanish language the editor observed that some who had emigrated to haiti a few years before became discontented because they did not know the language louisiana a slave state moreover would not suffer near its borders a free negro republic to serve as an asylum for refugees the richmond whig saw the actual situation in dubbing the scheme as chimerical for the reason that a more unsuitable country for the blacks did not exist socially and politically it would never suit the negroes already a great number of adventurers from the united states had gone to texas and fugitives from justice from mexico a fierce lawless and turbulent class would give the negroes little chance there as the negroes could not contend with the spaniard and the creole the editor believed that an inferior race could never exist in safety surrounded by a superior one despising them colonization in africa was then urged and the efforts of the blacks to go elsewhere were characterized as doing mischief at every turn to defeat the enlightened plan for amelioration of the negroes it was still thought possible to induce the negroes to go to some congenial foreign land although few of them would agree to emigrate to africa not a few negroes began during the two decades immediately preceding the civil war to think more favorably of african colonization and a still larger number in view of the increasing disabilities fixed upon their class thought of migrating to some country nearer to the united states much was said about central america but british guiana and the west indies proved to be the most inviting fields to the latter-day negro colonizationists this idea was by no means new for jefferson in his foresight had in a letter to governor edward coles of illinois in eighteen fourteen shown the possibilities of colonization in the west indies he felt that because santo domingo had become an independent negro republic it would offer a solution of the problem as to where the negroes should be colonized in this way these islands would become a sort of safety valve for the united states he became more and more convinced that all the west indies would remain in the hands of the people of color and a total expulsion of the whites sooner or later would take place it was high time he thought that americans should foresee the bloody scenes which their children certainly and possibly they themselves would have to wade through footnote 
if something is not done and soon said jefferson we shall be the murderers of our own children the murmura ventaros notis prudentia ventos has already reached us from santo domingo the revolutionary storm now sweeping the globe will be upon us and happy if we make timely provision to give it an easy passage over our land from the present state of things in europe and america the day which begins our combustion must be near at hand and only a single spark is wanting to make that day to-morrow if we had begun sooner we might probably have been allowed a lengthier operation to clear ourselves but every day's delay lessens the time we may take for emancipation as to the mode of emancipation jefferson was satisfied that that must be a matter of compromise between the passions the prejudices and the real difficulties which would each have its weight in that operation he believed that the first chapter of this history which was begun in st domingo and the next succeeding ones would recount how all the whites were driven from all the other islands this he thought would prepare their minds for a peaceable accommodation between justice and policy and furnish an answer to the difficult question as to where the colored immigrants should go he urged that the country put some plan under way and the sooner it did so the greater would be the hope that it might be permitted to proceed peaceably toward consummation from the forward edition of jefferson's writings volume six page three forty nine and volume seven pages one sixty seven one sixty eight end of footnote the movement to the west indies was accelerated by other factors after the emancipation in those islands in the thirties there had for some years been a dearth of labor desiring to enjoy their freedom and living in a climate where there was not much struggle for life the freedmen either refused to work regularly or wandered about purposely from year to year the islands in which sugar had once played a conspicuous part as the foundation of their industry declined and something had to be done to meet this exigency in the forties and fifties therefore there came to the united states a number of labor agents whose aim was to set forth the inviting aspect of the situation in the west indies so as to induce free negroes to try their fortunes there to this end meetings were held in baltimore philadelphia new york and boston and even in some of the cities of the south where these agents appealed to the free negroes to emigrate thus before the american colonization society had got well on its way toward accomplishing its purpose of deporting the negroes to africa the west indies and british guiana claimed the attention of free people of color in offering their unusual opportunities after the consummation of british emancipation in those islands in eighteen thirty eight the english nation came to be regarded by the negroes of the united states as the exclusive friend of the race the negro press and church vied with each other in praising british emancipation as an act of philanthropy and pointed to the english dominions as an asylum for the oppressed so disturbed were the whites by this growing feeling that riots broke out in northern cities on occasions of negro celebrations of the anniversary of emancipation in the west indies in view of these facts the colonizationists had to redouble their efforts to defend their cause 
they found it a little difficult to make a good case for liberia a land far away in an unhealthy climate so much unlike that of the west indies and british guiana where negroes had been declared citizens entitled to all privileges afforded by the government the colonizationists could do no more than to express doubt that the negroes would have there the opportunities for mental moral and social betterment which were offered in liberia the promoters of the enterprise in africa did not believe that the west indian planters who had had emancipation forced upon them would accept blacks from the united states as their equals nor that they far from receiving the consideration of freedmen would be there any more than menials when told of the establishment of schools and churches for the improvement of the freedmen the colonizationists replied that schools might be provided but the planters could have no interest in encouraging education as they did not want an elevated class of people but bone and muscle as an evidence of the truth of this statement it was asserted that newspapers of the country were filled with disastrous accounts of the falling off of crops and the scarcity of labor but had little to say about those forces instrumental in the uplift of the people an effort was made also to show that there would be no economic advantage in going to the british dominions it was thought that as soon as the first demand for labor was supplied wages would be reduced for no new plantations could be opened there as in a growing country like liberia it would be impossible therefore for the negroes emigrating there to take up land and develop a class of small farmers as they were doing in africa under such circumstances they contended the negroes in the west indies could not feel any of the elevating influences of nationality of character as the white men would limit the influence of the negroes by retaining practically all of the wealth of the islands the inducements therefore offered the free negroes in the united states were merely intended to use them in supplying the british dominions the need of men to do drudgery scarcely more elevating than the toil of slaves determined to interest a larger number of persons in diverting the attention of the free negroes from the west indies the colonizationists took higher ground they asserted that the interests of the millions of white men in this country were then at stake and even if it would be better for the three million negroes of the country gradually to emigrate to the british dominions it would eventually prove prejudicial to the interests of the united states they showed how the negroes emigrating into the west indies would be made to believe that the refusal to extend to them here social and political equality was cruel oppression and the immigrants therefore would carry with them no good will to this country when they arrived in the west indies their circumstances would increase this hostility alienate their affections and estrange them wholly from the united states taught to regard the british as the exclusive friends of their race devoted to its elevation they would become british in spirit as such these negroes would be controlled by british influence and would increase the wealth and commerce of the british and as soldiers would greatly strengthen british power it was better therefore they argued to direct the negroes to liberia for those who went there with the feeling of hostility against the white people were placed in circumstances operating to remove that feeling and in the kind solicitude for their welfare would be extended them in their new home so as to overcome their prejudices win their confidence and secure their attachment 
looking to this country as their fatherland and the home of their benefactors the liberians would develop a nation taking the religion customs and laws of this country as their models marketing their produce in this country and purchasing our manufactures in spite of its independence therefore liberia would be american in feeling language and interests affording a means to get rid of a class undesirable here but desirable to us there in their power to extend american influence trade and commerce negroes migrated to the west indies in spite of this warning and protest haiti at first looked upon with fear for having a free negro government near slaveholding states became fixed in the minds of some as a desirable place for the colonization of free persons of color this was due to the apparent natural advantages in soil climate and the situation of the country over other places in consideration it was thought that the island would support fourteen millions of people and that once opened to immigration from the united states it would in a few years fill up by natural increase it was remembered that it was formerly the emporium of the western world and that it supplied both hemispheres with sugar and coffee it had rapidly recovered from the disaster of the french revolution and lacked only capital and education which the united states under these circumstances could furnish furthermore it was argued that something in this direction should be immediately done as european nations then seeking to establish friendly relations with the islands would secure their commercial advantages which the united states should have and could establish by sending to that island free negroes especially devoted to agriculture in eighteen thirty six z kingsley a florida planter actually undertook to carry out such a plan on a small scale footnote speaking of this colony kingsley said about eighteen months ago i carried my son george kingsley a healthy colored man of uncorrupted morals about thirty years of age tolerably well educated of very industrious habits and a native of florida together with six prime african men my own slaves liberated for that express purpose to the northeast side of the island of haiti near portoplat where we arrived in the month of october eighteen thirty six and after application to the local authorities from whom i rented some good land near the sea and thickly timbered with lofty woods i set them to work cutting down trees about the middle of november and returned to my home in florida my son wrote to us frequently giving an account of his progress some of the fallen timber was dry enough to burn in january eighteen thirty seven when it was cleared up and eight acres of corn planted and as soon as circumstances would allow sweet potatoes yams cassava rice beans peas plantains oranges and all sorts of fruit trees were planted in succession in the month of october eighteen thirty seven i again set off for haiti in a coppered brig of a hundred and fifty tons bought for the purpose and in five days and a half from st mary's in georgia landed my son's wife and children at port plot together with the wives and children of his servants now working for him under an indenture of nine years also two additional families of my slaves all liberated for the express purpose of transportation to haiti where they were all to have as much good land and fee as they could cultivate say ten acres for each family and all its proceeds together with one-fourth part of the net proceeds of their labor 
on my son's farm for themselves also victuals clothes medical attendance etc gratis besides saturdays and sundays as days of labor for themselves or of rest just at their option on my arrival at my son's place called cabaret twenty-seven miles east of port plot in november eighteen thirty seven as before stated i found everything in the most flattering and prosperous condition they had all enjoyed good health were overflowing with the most delicious variety and abundance of fruits and provisions and were overjoyed at again meeting their wives and children whom they could introduce into good comfortable log houses all nicely whitewashed and in the midst of a profuse abundance of good provisions as they had generally cleared five or six acres of their land each which being very rich and planted with every variety to eat or to sell on their own account and had already laid up thirty or forty dollars apiece my son's farm was upon a larger scale and furnished with more commodious dwelling-houses also with store and outhouses in nine months he had made and housed three crops of corn of twenty-five bushels to the acre each or one crop every three months his highland rice which was equal to any in carolina so ripe and heavy as some of it to be couched or leaned down and no bird had ever troubled it nor had any of his fields ever been hoed or required hoeing there being as yet no appearance of grass his cotton was of an excellent staple in seven months it had attained the height of thirteen feet the stalks were ten inches in circumference and had upwards of five hundred large bowls on each stalk not a worm nor a red bug as yet to be seen his yams cassava and sweet potatoes were incredibly large and plentifully thick in the ground lately introduced from tahiti formerly Atahata island in the pacific was of peculiar excellence tasted like new flour and grew to an ordinary size in one month those i ate at my son's place had been planted five weeks and were as big as our full-grown florida potatoes his sweet orange trees budded upon wild stalks cut off which everywhere abound about six months before had large tops and the buds were swelling as if preparing to flower my son reported that his people had all enjoyed good health and had labored just as steadily as they formerly did in florida and were well satisfied with their situation and the advantageous exchange of circumstances they had made they all enjoyed the friendship of the neighboring inhabitants and the entire confidence of the haitian government i remained with my son all january eighteen thirty eight and assisted him in making improvements of different kinds amongst which was a new two-story house and then left him to go to port-au-prince where i obtained a favorable answer from the president of haiti to my son's petition asking for leave to hold in fee simple the same tract of land upon which he then lived as a tenant paying rent to the haitian government containing about thirty five thousand acres which was ordered to be surveyed to him and valued and not expected to exceed the sum of three thousand dollars or about ten cents an acre after obtaining this land in fee for my son i returned to florida in february eighteen thirty eight african repository volume fourteen pages two fifteen and two sixteen end of footnote my son established on the northeast side of haiti near port de plat 
his son george kingsley a well-educated colored man of industrious habits and uncorrupted morals together with six prime african men slaves liberated for that express purpose there he purchased for them thirty-five thousand acres of land upon which they engaged in the production of crops indigenous to that soil haiti however was not the only island to get consideration in eighteen thirty four two hundred colored immigrants went from new york alone to trinidad under the superintendence and at the expense of planters of that island it was later reported that every one of them found employment on the day of arrival and in one or two instances the most intelligent were placed as overseers at the salary of five hundred dollars per annum no one received less than one dollar a day and most of them earned a dollar fifty the trinidad press welcomed these immigrants and spoke in the highest terms of the valuable services they rendered the country others followed from year to year one of these negroes anticipated so much this new field of opportunity that he returned and induced twenty intelligent free persons of color living in annapolis maryland also to immigrate to trinidad the new york sun reported in eighteen forty that one hundred and sixty colored persons left philadelphia for trinidad they had been hired by an eminent planter to labor on that island and they were encouraged to expect that they should have privileges which would make their residence desirable the editor wished a few dozen trinidad planters would come to that city on the same business and on a much larger scale n w pollard agent of the government of trinidad came to baltimore in eighteen fifty one to make his appeal for emigrants offering to pay all expenses at a meeting held in baltimore in eighteen fifty two the parents of mr stanbury boyce now a retired merchant in washington district of columbia were also induced to go they found there opportunities which they had never had before and well established themselves in their new home the account which mr boyce gives in a letter to the writer corroborates the newspaper reports as to the success of the enterprise the new york journal of commerce reported in eighteen forty one that according to advices received at new orleans from jamaica there had arrived in that island fourteen negro immigrants from the united states being the first fruits of mr barclay's mission to this country a much larger number of negroes were expected and various applications for their services had been received from respectable parties the products of soil were reported as much reduced from former years and to meet its demand for labor some freedmen from sierra leone were induced to immigrate to that island in eighteen forty two one mr anderson an agent of the government of jamaica contemplated visiting new york in eighteen fifty one to secure a number of laborers tradesmen and agricultural settlers in the course of time immigration to foreign lands interested a larger number of representative negroes at a national council called in eighteen fifty three to promote more effectively the amelioration of the colored people the question of immigration and that only was taken up for serious consideration but those who desired to introduce the question of liberian colonization or who were especially interested in that scheme were not invited among the persons who promoted the calling of this council were william webb martin r delaney j gould bias franklin turner augustus green james m whitfield william lambert 
Henry Bibb, James T. Holly, and Henry M. Collins. There developed in this assembly three groups, one believing with Martin R. Delaney that it was best to go to the Niger River in Africa, another following the counsel of James M. Whitfield, then interested in emigration to Central America, and a third supporting James T. Holly, who insisted that Haiti offered the best opportunities for free persons of color desiring to leave the United States. Delaney was commissioned to proceed to Africa, where he succeeded in concluding treaties with eight African kings who offered American Negroes inducements to settle in their respective countries. James Redpath, already interested in the scheme of colonization in Haiti, had preceded Holly there, and with the latter as his co-worker, succeeded in sending to that country as many as 2,000 emigrants, the first of whom sailed from this country in 1861. Owing to the lack of equipment adequate to the establishment of the settlement and the unforgivable climate, not more than one-third of the immigrants remained. Some attention was directed to California and Central America, just as in the case of Africa, but nothing in that direction took tangible form immediately, and the Civil War following soon thereafter did not give some of these schemes a chance to materialize. End of chapter 4 Colonization as a Remedy for Migration